Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is the defense still out there at Paycor Stadium playing against the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> it sure did seem like they wouldn't come off the field last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Daniel J., your host here of State of the Steelers, your Behind the Steel Curtain podcast, your Saturday morning podcast from Behind the Steel Curtain, their family of podcasts. I hope you've, uh, you guys are ready. Have your seatbelts buckled in. Um, this past weekend when the Steelers went into Cincinnati and played the Bengals in that thriller overtime win with no time on the clock off of a Boswell kick. Steelers win 23 to 20 against the Bengals. <clears throat> that was a crazy game. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It was something that I, I really didn't expect. You know, I thought that the Steelers offense was going to come in a little bit better. I thought they made improvement. And, you know, it kind of comes up to the topic of today's show. So State of the Steelers, where we kind of get the current consensus, the current status of the Pittsburgh Steelers and ask and try to answer some of the harder questions. And, you know, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, it just appears that you are going to have to make a weekly appointment with your cardiologist. Uh, you know, this happening for years now. The Pittsburgh Steelers have had the heart-wrenching, the uh, down to the last second overtime type style games that leave you probably with a loss of a couple of years of life at the end because of how crazy and how insane these games have gotten. And it brings up the topic of today's show, which is, is the black and gold way, the Steelers way, sustainable? You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense played a lot of snaps this past game. They were out on the field for over 43 minutes. Now, I understand they played a full overtime game, but compared to the Bengals defense only coming in at about 26 minutes, you know, they almost played twice as many snaps against a team that had not just twice as much time, but was moving the ball down the field, which carried fatigue and came at with a big cost. TJ Watt, reigning defensive player of the year, now gone for at least six weeks with a torn or partially torn pictorial. You know, I think the uh, black and gold faithful, the Steelers fan had a collective sigh of relief earlier this week when the Steelers announced that 
Um, TJ Watt, although is going on to the IR, is not having a season-ending surgery on his pec at this time. And all indications indicate that he will be returning at some point in the season. It doesn't change the fact that that is a huge blow to this defense. TJ Watt was responsible for 22 and a half sacks last season. Came in this, you know, against the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, had a kept had had sacks, had had a couple uh, had an interception, was havoc, had several pressures. You know, he had the huge huge hit on the running back right before he uh, intercepted the ball. He was a dominant force for this Pittsburgh Steelers defense and a defense that when you look back at this game is at a, uh, or at least right now is at an elite championship level. But the longer that the, uh, the defense has to stay on the field because of the offense's lack of, uh, of anything and able to move the ball down the field, time of possession is horrible. Third downs were horrible. Running was horrible. The only positive that I thing that I saw out of this game with the Cincinnati against the Cincinnati Bengals from the Pittsburgh Steelers offense was the offensive line. I felt that the offensive line did fantastic in the past in the past block. The running block that's a different story. It, it, Najee Harris didn't have very much room to run. However, he did look he didn't look like Najee. Najee looked slow. He looked he looked like uh, that Liz Frank injury that took him out for majority of training camp. You know, still lingering. He's not 100% returned from that. And then at the, you know, towards the latter part of the game, huge scare when he gets bent over backwards and is on the ground and in clear, clear pain. Jumps up, runs off the field the best of his ability. I'm surprised there's a chance, uh, there's a chance or an opportunity that he's going to be participating in tomorrow's matchup against the New England Patriots. However, you know, Najee is a, um, He's somebody special, in my opinion. He's going to be a guy if we can get, if the Pittsburgh Steelers can get an offensive line in front of him that can run block. But with what they did well, especially with what we saw in the preseason, I think that the the offensive line did a fantastic job keeping Mitch Trubisky clean. You know, with that being said, though, having a being plus five in the turnover battle, plus seven in the sack battle, and you still are a team that has to go into overtime to to win. And let's be honest here. The Cincinnati Bengals are a, a, a long snapper away from winning that view that that having victory in that game in regulation. You know, the snap that uh, the block field goal that Minka Fitzpatrick had or the block extra point that Minka Fitzpatrick had, that was a um, – everybody saw it. The ball that was traveling to the to the holder, it was going in slow motion. You know, it, 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 it was a benefit to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It worked in their benefit and extended the game, a game that, in my opinion, should have never been in that position. When you're positive five – in the turnover battle, it should be won very handily. In fact, I now say it here. I think that 2021 Ben Roethlisberger wins that game in regulation. Now, I've gone back. I've looked at the tape. You know, I broke down Mr. Trubisky's, uh, some of his passes in the second half. It's on YouTube under State of the Steelers. I, I recommend you go out there, look for it, and follow and subscribe. And there's a lot of concern there. 
Mitch Trubisky is who he is. He's been in the league for some time now. And I don't think he's just going to turn a corner all of a sudden and be this guy that Chicago expected him to be when they took him number two overall. When, when we think of Mason Rudolph, who has had less than a full season of starts, majority of the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base think that they know what Mason is. He can't possibly change who he is. He can't grow. He can't get better. Yet, when we look at Mitch Trubisky, it's like, oh, there's a chance, even though he's been in the league longer, and some of the things that he's doing hasn't changed. You know, I'm watching the game. He's throwing across his body, throwing off his back foot, throwing across the field, things that you expect a rookie to be doing at this point in their career. And if that's the case, and that's what we're getting out of our veteran quarterback, uh, why not just play the rookie? Play the kid. When you when you look at Kenny Pickett, he comes from uh, from Pitt. He was recruited by Matt Canada to run a Matt Canada offense in Pitt. Now, Matt Canada left before um, Kenny Pickett could be coached underneath him. However, according to Kenny Pickett, Pitt kept a similar offense, kept a lot of the same things. Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, has the most experience in a Canada-style offense, as Mitch Trubisky was a backup to Josh Allen last season in Buffalo, and and Mason Rudolph ran a Ben style of Matt Canada's offense last couple of years. And so with that being said, I think also Kenny Pickett is probably the most comfortable and the most experienced in an RPO-style offense. He's 24 years old. He's older than some of the starting quarterbacks in the league. He's shown, at least in preseason, that he has an ability to, to read the, uh, the defense, see, see the play develop as it's developing, and make accurate throws down the field and also on the run. And those are things that are needed in a Matt Canada offense, and it's, it's insane to me that, that the Steelers have gone on this, in, on this route when it comes to Mr. Trubisky. I understand it. I get it. It's his first game. And I, I, I'm really trying not to beat up on the guy. It's the first game. He didn't play all last season. He was, he played sparingly in the last couple of years with Chicago. So I understand he's going to be a little bit rusty. However, there are just certain things that I'm seeing in his game that I haven't seen changed from when he was in Chicago. Seeing the vision down the field isn't there. When he's moving around and running, he's looking at at the offensive line, he's looking at the at the rush that, at, that is coming at him. He's not looking down the field to throw the ball accurately and out of, and to get it out of there. Those are things that are concerning to me. And when you have a defense playing 43 minutes in a game, 100 snaps, it's going to create fatigue. It's going to create injury. And that's what we've seen every single year for the last few years because the offense's inability to maintain the possession of the ball. And so there's a narrative out there that Mitch Trubisky did enough to win this game. He went down the field in the last drive and in overtime and put the Pittsburgh Steelers right where they needed to be so that Boswell can make a game-winning field goal. And with that, I cannot stand that narrative. The Pittsburgh Steelers' defense won this game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They put up points. They put the Steelers in position to score field goals. And they stopped the Cincinnati Bengals from scoring multiple times, even against the, the Zebras and the Stripes. The defense and the Pittsburgh Steelers won in spite of Mitch Trubisky, not that Mitch Trubisky did enough. 
But with that being said, this legendary defense is not going to be legendary if we're going to be having injuries due to the fact that they're playing twice as much or two-thirds of a game. Last year, Tyson Aluwalu was injured. And he was out, created a tremendous hole for the running game. The year prior, Devin Bush goes down. Bud Dupree goes down. They're on the field a tremendous amount of time. The, those are defenses and defenses that could have done great things had they just had a competent offense that could have maintained time of possession. In this game, um, Alex Highsmith had a fantastic game, had three sacks. Basically, last season altogether, he had six. So in one game, he did half of his production from last season. Bravo. Uh, those who've been following me on YouTube will know that I have been talking about Alex Highsmith and saying that he needs to step it up now more so than ever with the uh, with TJ Watt for an extended amount of time. We need him to step it up and create that pressure and create those sacks. The defensive backs played wonderful. Mika Fitzpatrick was playing at an all-time level. Looks like a potential candidate for defensive player of the year. But with that being said, you know, if there is no pressure up front, then and you give the opposing quarterbacks all day to throw, then, you know, it doesn't matter how great your your, your backfield is. There's going to be holes and leaks, and, and NFL quarterbacks are going to be able to exploit that. So Alex Highsmith is on the correct path and on the right direction, and I couldn't be happier. I, it is important, especially now more than ever with the loss of T.J. Watt, that Alex Highsmith plays at an all-high level. Across from him is going to be Malik Reed. He's the gentleman out of Denver that the Steelers traded just recently, right before the start of the season. He is a guy that is definitely going to have to take up a huge step into this uh, defense. He was a guy that was only going to be a depth dude. He was going to be a dude that or a guy or a player, whatever you want to call him, that's only going to be in uh, rotation when Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt were either, you know, down for a short period of time or needed a breather. He's going to have to come in here and play significant amount of snaps and may and become a player on this defense, become an impact player. I think that Cam Hayward really, <laughs> he welcomed that rookie Cordell Volson to the NFL. He was harassing him and Joe Burrow all day. It was a beautiful thing to watch. Larry Ogunjobi seemed like a man that has been in this defense for a long time and fit right in. But is it sustainable? Can this defense continue to play at this level for this amount of time? And the answer, honestly, is no. There is no way that you can depend on a defense like this and in this manner to win you games in a 17-game season against the competition that is in the AFC North and in the AFC period. It is un it's not sustainable. Players were going down left and right. Leal. As one of them, fortunately, he came back in. A lot of it had to do with cramps and dehydration and fatigue. Playing that amount of snaps and in, in humidity and in muggy weather is going to do that to, to these players. You know, even even the and to go back to Mitch Trubisky and, and, and just to go full circle with it. He needs to run this offense a little bit better. He needs to pass the ball down the field. 
apparently there was a uh, play where he missed George Pickens and threw the ball five, 10 yards out of bounds. It was an easy 96 yard touchdown. However, walked in touchdown because he had his guy beat. Mr. Risky comes out in press conference, talks about he was uh, throwing it out because he was, he didn't want to throw an interception. He was afraid to throw a pick. When did this team start living in their fears and searching for comfort? This is not the style of play that coach Tomlin preaches. We don't preach to live in your fears. There's no preaching of comfortability. You know, even in the play that Mitch Trubisky gets a lot of praise for, it was a play that was a false start where he threw the ball down to Pat, Pat Fryermuth, put the, the Steelers in somewhat of position to later on kick a field goal. And in that attempt, it was a false start. He's running around, throws the ball down the middle of the field. Pat catches the ball and runs for a little bit. The result of the play gets applauded tremendously. However, if you look and break down that play, it was a horrible play by Mitch Trubisky. I get it. It was a it was a false start, so it was a free play. You had Deontay Johnson running down the sideline. Most of the time, you take the deep shot for that. I get it. It's third down. You're looking for a first down. And if you can get it and make sure that you have it without having to play another play or just five yards closer to the first down, I understand it. But if you watch the play, Mr. Biskey's rolling out to his left while backpedaling, going off his back foot, throws the ball to the, across his body, across. Well, he does pivot and then throws the ball across the field. Now, if you watch the play, you'll see the safeties lurking up top high. And he comes down rushing real quick. Fortunately for for the Steelers and for Pat Fryer, Pat Fryer moved more than anyone. That that safety was going for the interception, and Pat was able to get in front of him. But had he gone to dislodge the ball, he would have cut Pat Fryer in half. That the positioning of where the ball was at was uh, one that was dangerous in the essence where he put his player in a dangerous spot where he was going to get cut in half. Now, I understand everybody looks at the result of the play and sees that uh, it was a first down, moved the ball in position to 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 win the game. I get it. Bravo. I just feel that a better quarterback in that situation makes a better read, better throw, and isn't throwing across his body across the field. But when we come back, guys, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the upcoming matchup. We're leaving this in the past. Now we're talking about the New England Patriots coming into Acroshore Stadium this tomorrow, this Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. I'll see you on the other side. side welcome back to state of the steelers where we ask the hard questions and try to answer them today we're talking about the sustainability of the pittsburgh steelers is this style is the black and gold steelers way sustainable 
Can they do it? We talked about the uh, the previous game, the previous overtime thriller win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now we're looking forward to tomorrow's matchup against the New England Patriots, a matchup that, well, let's face it, it's going to be some different pieces that we're not used to. Last time we saw the New England Patriots, they had one Tom Brady at the helm, and the team was a lot different than they are now. The Steelers are a lot different. In fact, I read something. This is the first time in over 20 years that either Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger will not be participating in this matchup. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. It's a long time. Both of those guys played professional football for a very long time. Tom Brady, who's still playing, and the Steelers will see him in a couple weeks. In fact, I'll be there at that game. So if uh, anybody's out there, come say hello. I'll be in Section 122. Um, uh, same section as Dave Schofield from uh, the Stat Geek and on the YouTube side, the Scobro Show, which I know you guys listening here, you probably listen to a lot of the uh, or all of the audio podcasts that Behind the Steel Curtain puts out. But if you're not aware, Behind the Steel Curtain also puts out great work on the YouTube side. There's the preview that's going to be happening tomorrow after the game. I mean, not the preview. I'm sorry, the post game tomorrow after the game. Uh, on Monday, you have the hangover where you have uh, Brian Anthony Davis, Shannon White, and Tony Deffield talk about the previous game. Sometimes it's a good hangover. Sometimes it's a bad one. Tuesday nights, you got the bros- the Big Brosco. Big Sco Bro Show. Man, that's a tongue twister, guys. <laughs> it's a great show, family-oriented. I love it. Catch it every week. At the end, they have a big question for all of the per- people in the live chat to participate. Don't want to miss it. You have the uh, the the know your enemy where Shannon White and Jeffrey Benedict usually bring on a a YouTube content creator of the opposing side that covers the opposing team. They come out on Wednesday, give you a better insight of what you're going to see this up in the upcoming game and matchup and what matchups to exploit and watch. On Thursdays, you have the preview. That's with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis, one of my favorite shows to watch. You can't forget the uh, Friday Night Six Pack with Tony Defio and Steelers Touchdown Under with my, my one of my good friends, Mark Davison and Matty Peverell. So you have all these options on the YouTube side. Don't forget, you also have State of the Steelers on YouTube, and that's a little bit different. I, I do something aside from behind the steel curtain. I have my own YouTube channel where I talk about the Steelers. We're also giving away two tickets to a Steelers game this year. We're giving away two tickets to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders versus Steelers Christmas Eve game. All you got to do is be a subscriber. Go find my channel. Go look into it. Subscribe. Good luck. But with that said, let's just kind of break down this game. Let's We'll get away from the shameless plugs. So the New England Patriots come in. 0-1, losing in the division to the Miami Dolphins in week one, 20-7, basically somewhat embarrassed. Now, coming out of that game, the the media, the sports media, the talking heads, the, all kind of looking at the New England Patriots and saying that that game was very poor and that the New England Patriots are a team that's struggling right now, and, and rightfully so, it did look like that. However, I will say this, the New England Patriots is a team – even when Tom Brady was their quarterback, had always had a problem in Miami. Miami Dolphins have surprised them several times, even in the years when they were incredibly bad. 
So with that being said, I take that loss with a grain of salt. Right now, there's a lot of injuries across the Patriots side in some key spots. You have Mac Jones, who hasn't participated twice this week, uh, once for an illness, once for a back injury. In fact, in the last game against the, the Miami Dolphins, he didn't talk to the press because he was uh, getting x-rays on his back. There's a big question mark if he's going to play. All indications, though, is that he will be there. Fortunately for him, he won't be going up against T.J. Watt, but I do I do expect Alex Highsmith to give a lot of pressure against him. I expect this Steelers defense to still live up to the standard, especially against a team that is struggling offensively right now, a team that honestly doesn't even have an offensive coordinator. <laughs> but on the um, offensive side still, Ty Montgomery, their, their multi-versatile running back slash receiver, he was put on IR. He was actually the player that scored the receiving touchdown, uh, the only touchdown that the uh, New England Patriots gathered last week against the uh, the Miami Dolphins. He was placed on IR and, and will be gone for a few weeks. But a lot of... So a lot of the concern when it comes to this game and and the concern for the Steelers is is Mitch Trubisky versus Bill Belichick. Now I get it, and and I don't think that's a very favorable matchup for Mitch Trubisky. However, there are some lingering issues on the uh, New England Patriots defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers can exploit and will need to exploit if they want to win this game. You have Jawan Bentley, who hasn't was a non-participant, at least in one practice this week, and was limited with a nagging toe injury. He's their starting middle linebacker. Also, Adrian Phillips, their safety dimebacker, who is very versatile, moves up front, moves up back. He is basically the Terrell Edmonds of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense when the Steelers get DeMonte Casey back. The Steelers are going to want to move Edmonds up in the box, move him around, move him, can do some coverage. This is what Adrian Phillips is, but a little bit better in the coverage. He is the New England Patriots probably best, you know, tight end cover guy, in my opinion. And he's been dealing with with a rib injury. He was actually a uh, uh, didn't participate in practice, was a limited participation, uh, didn't participate twice, I believe, in practice this week. And. He was um, taken out of the Miami Dolphins games. That's when he got injured. Now, in my opinion, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this game, they're going to have to attack that area of the field where these guys occupy, which is the middle part of the field. And it's a little bit of a concern to me because the Pittsburgh Steelers do not attack the middle of the field. It's super frustrating. But for whatever reason, whether it was Ben Roethlisberger in the last couple of years or Mitch Trubisky here recently, the Pittsburgh Steelers are not attacking the middle of the field. And I think that in this game here, if the Steelers offense is going to be successful, they're going to have to attack the middle of the field. They're going to have to attack Adrian Phillips with, with, with a combination of Gentry and a combination of Pat Fryermuth. I really like that tight end screen that we saw last week. I think we're going to have to see a little bit more of something like that, getting the tight ends in space, making sure that, Hey, you know what, if these guys, Adrian Phillips, uh, Jawan Bentley, if they're going to be playing in this game, make them not want to hit you. They have some nagging injuries. They've been lingering around, and they're going to leave the middle of the field open. 
The Steelers are going to have to run the ball up the middle. Najee Harris has been dealing with a, uh, a foot injury, an ankle injury. It's It sounds like the, the injury that he occurred in the uh, Cincinnati Bengal game when he got bent over uh, backwards was not the Liz Frank injury that he'd been dealing with that held him out of most of the training camp. But I'll be honest with you guys. I think that the Steelers need to sit Najee Harris for a little bit. You know, prior to him getting injured very late in that game, Najee Harris didn't seem to be the same player to me. He wasn't explosive. He didn't have the burst that he did last season. He can You can tell that he has had or is dealing with a lower body injury, possibly and more than likely. He's still dealing with a Liz Frank. The spring. Now, I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to accuse or anything like that. It's just, in my opinion, he seems kind of slow. He seems kind of rusty. And rightfully so. I mean, if we go back down when Le'Veon Bell was holding out due to contract situations, when he came back in, it took him a couple of games to get back situated. So I think Najee's going to be fine. I think he's going to be okay. We just got to get him healthy. And then we got to get him, got to knock off that rust. But the first important part of that formula is to get him healthy. Let him get to Najee that the Steelers need because 80% Najee, this slower version of Najee, is no better than, in my opinion, than Benny Snell. And if if that is what we're expected to see, I, I prefer to see Jalen uh, Jalen Warren out there. He had burst. He, he, you go back and watch the All-22, his blocking ability, which he wasn't asked to do much. Wasn't asked to do much passing, pass blocking in Oklahoma, but here he is, and he is showing up. He has knocked some defensive players of the Cincinnati Bengals on their rear end in this past game. He did a phenomenal job when it came to that aspect of the game. I I couldn't be more impressed, more pleased with the undrafted free agent rookie. You know, there's a lot of uh, hot takes that are starting to come out across the Steelers. Sports talk where talking about, hey, you know what? This is the reason why you don't draft a first round rookie. I'm not so much into that uh, team yet. You know, you don't draft a first round running back. I get it. I understand why you can find talent. Jalen Warren seems to be a guy that potentially could be, you know, something. Now, I, I, I don't think that Jalen Warren is more talented than Najee Harris or has the skill set of Najee Harris. And I think that with the appropriate offensive line that Najee Harris will do out, out running back or out battle or out will perform, however you want to say it, um, Jalen Warren. But at this point, at this time of the season where Najee Harris is at this point in his health, I just, I think it might be better to sit him, especially when you look at the lineup that the Steelers have in this first you know quarter of the season, you have the, um, New England Patriots, who are struggling offensively. Defensively, they're a little bit hurt in the middle. And then next week, on a short week, you're going into Cleveland, Ohio, to play the Cleveland Browns on the road without Deshaun Watson. And then you have the Jets at home. These are some games that there's no easy games in the NFL, but these are games that are could be favorable, especially defensively for the Steelers. And – in my opinion, the Steelers should win these next three games. And so with that being said, 
I think that it would not do much harm and could do more harm by playing Najee Harris at this point. I'd prefer to have an, a healthy Najee getting stronger, getting rhythm, getting hot at the end of the year versus, you know, playing him now while he's injured, prolonging his, his health, prolonging his recovery. And then when the time comes, he's not going to be available due to injury fatigue or the combination of the two. So with that said, I, I think it's important that the Steelers run the ball this game. And I think that we're going to see a heavy dose of Jalen Warren. I also think that McFarland's going to get a helmet coming up. And I think that um, Benny Snell is going to make a return to the offense in this game. I, I really hope that the Pittsburgh Steelers come into this game with a different mindset and not pass the ball on three consecutive plays to start the game. I'm hoping the script is a little bit more better, a little bit more better. <laughs> I wish my English was a little bit more better on that one, right? I hope that the script comes out better than it was last week and a little bit more balanced. You know, the, the Steelers cannot do this three and out and put the defense on the field for two-thirds of the game again. It's not a formula for success. That is not a sustainable formula for victory for a long-term success either. But with that said, I'm going to give you guys my prediction on this game. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to take care of business and handle the New England Patriots. I do see it a lot closer than most. I think this is going to be a big field goal game. I'm picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to win 17, no correction, 16 to 9. Pittsburgh Steelers take this. They win. They are currently two-point dogs at home. Everybody's sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers, including Vegas. And, you know, until the offense starts to show something a little bit better, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if they're not favored even next week against Jacoby Brissett and the, and the Cleveland Browns. But that's all I got for you guys today. Please let me know what you guys think. Hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me at State of Steelers. That's my handle there. If you have any questions or comments for the show, send them to me there. With that being said, guys, I'm Daniel J. This is State of the Steelers and Behind the Steel Curtain. Let's do this again next week when we talk and we come back again. I think we're going to be reviewing two games. So don't go far. Follow us. Go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and catch up on all of, our, all of our articles. That being said, guys, see you next week. Peace. Peace.